0: This is the Straight Dope, episode 27. I noticed that there was a screw-up on some of the numbering, so I'm just going to say this is 27. Looks like there's a couple 25s, and 125 says 26. So anyway, we're going to jump to 27 and call it Revisiting the Fundamentals. Now, before I get started, I'm going to tell you that I record these off the top of my head. I hit record and let it rip till it's over. I have references from the Ballistics books and things when I reference those, but this one I'm just gonna do it conversational style and I'm not a medical doctor. So consider this just my educated opinion. And I wanna emphasize that I'm just talking about the way I see these. And some of them are from my experience, some of them are from watching other things, and others are from my studies in in graduate school and thinking about some of the reactions and why we might be looking at it one way and need to look at it another way for better performance. So anyway, let's get back to this. Now, when I just hit uh, Safari, because I'm using a, uh, an Apple, um, and I Google fundamentals of marksmanship, a whole boatload of stuff comes up. I've got uh, seven fundamentals of marksmanship, four fundamentals of, man- fundamentals of marksmanship, analyzing the fundamentals of a rifle we've got army we've got Marines we've got mass.gov fundamentals of shooting hunter ed uh, and all of these kind of end up overlapping but emphasizing slightly different topics let's just click this hunter ed one because I do think that that uh, you know having hunter-based curriculum is probably a practical and realistic Avenue to discuss a lot of sh- of Shooting-related topics, because a lot of my listeners probably hunt, and people that are being introduced to shooting, the majority of them are probably entering that world with an interest in hunting. Some of them may be for competition, but there's many, many more practical shooters and hunters than there are people that, that compete. And right at the top of that list is control your breathing. And, and I'm going to look at this for a sec, and then I'll click over to the, the military ones and see if they s- say the same thing. But but this one, it's basically saying that when you're ready to shoot, draw a deep breath, exhale half of it out, and then hold your breath as you squeeze the trigger, um, which is a little bit different. Let me see if I can get that to match on, uh, uh, let me see, the armystudyguide.com, steady position, support. Muscle relaxation, aim, focus, sight picture, breath control. As the fire skills improved uh, and as timed or multiple targets are presented, he must learn how to control his breath at any part of the breath cycle. Two types of breath control techniques are practiced during dry fire. Coach Trainer ensures that the fire uses two breathing techniques, understands them, blah, blah, blah. The first technique is... um natural respiratory pause when most of the air has been exhaled from the lungs and before inhaling the second is employed during rapid fire and you use this technique where st- the soldier stops his breath when he's about to squeeze the trigger um, okay I don't know who wrote these and I don't know the context to, to much of this other than everywhere you look, breath is a part of the classic fundamentals of marksmanship. Now, how you shoulder a rifle has a big influence on what breath can do to your sight picture because your chest can rise and fall during the natural respiratory cycle. I say can because I also watch a lot of athletes with rifles like in biathlon and they can't really do this to the extent that you would you would think because they're breathing very hard their heart rates are very high and they've been exerting themselves and they appear to be exploiting the diaphragmatic breathing where you breathe like a baby like your 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 stomach your belly goes out and in rather than your chest up and down when you breathe not only does that give the control of that breath down to your diaphragm which is the muscle that's that kind of creates a um like a trampoline under your rib cage that 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 creates a vacuum sucking air in but if you allow your diaphragm to stick your belly out then your chest doesn't go up and down as much and so they're they're able to breathe and shoot and and again they're probably still trying to time it but they're getting five shots off in 20 five seconds or less, and so at that level of exertion, you know, I'm fascinated by the idea of breath control as a fundamental of marksmanship. So I want to talk about this from a couple different points of of, uh, perspective. One, if you put the rifle off into your shoulder, uh, like the classic shoulder position, a lot of carbine shooters still do that. I do that with a carbine a lot of the time, and that's because, like I mentioned in one Podcast before is that mechanically, uh, in terms of efficiency, when our elbows are at 90 degrees, we've got optimal range of motion and use of the muscles that wrap the joints. And so, being able to do that and have a rifle up with a good sight picture, the rifle tends to be about 45 degrees from our body. If we're a right handed shooter, that's 45 degrees to the left. If it's in your shoulder, and your support elbow is at ninety degrees. It's really easy to get a sight picture kind of canted off in that direction. Now, I know a lot of people are bringing it midline and pointing it forward, but by careful practice and manipulation of that elbow, you can keep it bent and maintain maintain support. the um, The shouldering of that rifle can be influenced by the rise and fall of your rib cage and if you take a deep breath, right? Your your rib cage kind of has two ways that it goes. It goes forward and up and out to the side. And so you've got this kind of bucket handle and lateral expansion property when you take a deep breath. And the equal and opposite concept that I seem to talk about almost every episode is that during recoil, the force is going to come back into anything that's touching it. And there's going to be an equal and opposite response. And so if you've got this, this essentially like a bouncy ball of your chest at different levels of inflation, it's going to have different uh, influences on the rifle depending on where it is in that expansion, right? So if you get like an exercise ball or a balloon, inflate it and deflate it more and less and then drop a pencil on it, not, not the sharp side, but, but drop something on it and see if it bounces the exact same way when it's kind of off to the side. It's going to bounce off differently. And so the idea that you want to shoot at a consistent place in that pressure and mass, it makes perfect sense to me. And it also makes perfect sense that you would want to teach people to do that at a level that was more consistent, even though it's very hard to do regardless, it's more consistent towards the end of your breath cycle at the low point or respiratory pause where you're deflated because so many different things can contribute when you're excited, when you're in a sympathetic response, your muscles and nervous system, you won't be able to tell how much air is full. And a lot of that also has to do with how much exercise that you've been doing before that, whether you're your lungs are primed for for exercise or whether it's primed for fight or flight, and chances are if you're shooting, you're going to be excited right so it makes sense that you would go towards that respiratory pause if you can. What makes more sense to me is being able to shoot throughout your respiratory cycle using diaphragmatic breathing and experimenting with anchor points on your body that aren't influenced as much by that respiratory cycle. In my anecdotal testing of this, I've been doing you know 100-meter sprints and then shooting my bolt gun, and I, I've noticed that the midline anchor point that a lot of people are using now, not out in the shoulder, using diaphragmatic breathing, I can inhale, exhale, hold my breath, not hold my breath, and more or less not get an impact shift using that clavicle anchor at my midline. Now, that doesn't mean my heart rate's not influenced. It doesn't mean that if it was off on my shoulder that I wouldn't get a deviation, but I'm noticing that that midline diaphragmatic breath cycle has much less of an influence, but I'm using supported shooting. If you're doing unsupported shooting, it you're gonna see a much more dramatic effect in your shooting. And, and that's why I look towards the biathletes because They're high-level athletes performing a high-skill activity under massive physiologic strain. They still tend to use that outer shoulder, and they use that funny kind of off-hip shooting technique, but it looks like they're resting a lot of it on the top of the shoulder so that they could get that buttstock off of potentially inconsistent shoulder position. So I think that what they're doing, at least in my you know, limited observation is that they're getting around some of that breath now here um i there is a reference, and I'm not going to throw them under the bus here, but they say like you know your brain operates better when it has oxygen, and when you hold your breath, it says here that you know you're, you're somehow that's going to affect the oxygen to your eyeballs and 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 physiologically that that well your your eyes do need oxygen and your brain does need oxygen, but actually. We're mammals, and all mammals have a similar response when they hold their breath. It, it's, it's called the mammalian dive response. And in tons of studies, I remember in graduate school studying diving of Weddell seals because they can hold their breath a hell of a long time in cold water, and think, like, well, how, how does a mammal do this that requires oxygen and stay underwater for so long? And what's interesting is that physiologically we're designed, if you're healthy— um, such that if you hold your breath for a while let's say like the average human can hold their breath for like two minutes or something like that and I'm not encouraging you to, to hold your breath so so you know but but let's say that you can hold your breath for two minutes if 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 you just hold your breath I'm not talking about hyperventilating because you can you can have adverse effects by hyperventilating and for all of you SF divers and seals that I know I know there are techniques for you to increase your ability to dive, but it also makes, underwater blackouts, something that, that you can force yourself into. So uh, I just don't want to get into that because that has nothing to do with the fundamentals of marksmanship. If you just stop and hold your breath, your body's first going to start to shunt blood flow to the extremities and it's going to drive blood flow to your your core and your brain. And so actually blood oxygenation of the brain increases on your breath hold. So if you're saying well, you know, your, your eyes go out first if they don't have oxygen. If you hold your breath actually what's going to happen is your eyes are going to get more oxygen. Your brain's going to get more oxygen. Now I wouldn't hold your breath to try to get better vision because that seems a little bit silly. But the arguments against holding your breath because you need oxygen is going against all of the scientific data that we have. And I think that in terms of proper use of science um, you know we don 't need to look at the numbers. we just say like if you hold your breath and you know within twenty seconds or so, your brain's going to start getting a little bit more oxygen, your finger's going to get a little bit less oxygen, so but you still need to pull the trigger and do other things, and you 're going to have to get up and move again. My point in this is that. You need to think about the response that you're going to get and the activity that you're using it in. If you're out there and you're physically inputting and outputting, you're going to need to continue to breathe because you need more and more oxygen. Holding your breath, yeah, it might theoretically increase some brain oxygenation, but it's it's decreasing your peripheral oxygenation, which is going to make you less effective if you have to get up and run again. So that is a kind of a double-edged sword, but when they say your eyes and your brains will suffer because of lack of oxygen, uh, that's, that's, that goes against um, the body of knowledge that we have on mammals, and, and, and that's pretty hard to argue against. So what I think is happening is that what you're doing is creating an inconsistent platform from which recoil is going to bounce off oddly. But when you adopt and apply the rifle craft training system, You're experimenting with your physical position such that you can repeat it on demand. And that's why we shoot paper to see if there's point of impact shifts. And if there are, you adjust it accordingly until you can repeatedly do the same thing. And if you can do that repeatedly on paper without stress, then you want to try doing it with exercise or time stress to see if it's repeatable under those conditions. And my guess is that most of you will find a point where breath does not influence your shooting. And I know some fundamentalists are going to be screaming at the podcast and saying that this goes against everything out there, but I can demonstrate it on paper for you. Um, and I know plenty of shooters that can demonstrate it on paper for you that we can have high speed, high stress, high exertion levels, not have breath influence the shot process. Now, that does not mean I can do it doing NRA silhouette shooting offhand, knocking over those cute little animals it does mean that using supported firing positions, I don't, my stress response is one-tenth more than my unstressed response. So if I shoot you know, three-quarters of an inch unstressed, I'm gonna shoot an inch stressed. And I'm not gonna be shooting stuff that small that I think it makes much of a difference either way. And um, I like to do events that have stress response and athletic output involved in them, and I, and I feel perfectly confident in my shooting ability under stress. Regardless of that breath and I've kind of gone full circle and I've tested it one way or the other But I do think that in terms of fundamentals of marksmanship Maybe rather than calling it breath stuff You should be thinking about where's the anchor point on your body such that it's the least influenced by movement of your breath And if you need to teach yourself to breathe diaphragmatically when you're shooting that's gonna be much more beneficial Than thinking exhale and then trying to time it just right at there, and then panic because you want to inhale, and that inhale drive, that's not driven from a lack of oxygen, that's driven by carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide in a healthy adult drives your respiratory um, drive, so you know, you're, you're responding to carbon dioxide, and, and then you start to panic, and your mindset goes, and your confidence goes, but it has nothing to do with oxygen, and it has nothing to do with you're gonna blow the shot, So train yourself not to be dependent on thinking that you have to do it at that down cycle. And I think that if you do, you're creating a training scar that will bite you more than if you create real training around the sound idea that your fundamentals are, you're basically this meat shield that this rifle is going to recoil into and you need to manage that recoil in a consistent way such that you don't have a point of impact shift but being that meat shield means that you have to be able to function and be able to adapt quickly and if you're panicking about doing something wrong because oh I only have this split second on my respiratory pause to break the shot you've got a training scar that needs to be rewritten in a way where you don't even think about it Because you know that you've tested it on paper, on an inhale, on an exhale, on whatever, because where you put it isn't influenced as much as people want you to believe that it's influenced so that you can build it, break the shot, you can continue breathing, and you can continue moving. And that's my opinion on breath as a fundamental of marksmanship. You need to keep breathing. Test it on paper, Prove it to yourself. I can prove it to you on paper, and you should be able to do the same thing. Until then, like, subscribe, share. If you want to support the podcast, go to riflecraft.com, R-I-F-L-E-K-R-A-F-T.com, and subscribe. That not only allows you to track and get feedback on things at a higher level also supports the podcast, and it's going to fund future development of higher level analytics and more diverse ways for us to measure our fundamentals on paper so that we can apply that base of principles to distance logically and in an informed way. So until then, see ya.